The following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. Did I already ask you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1? Okay, I'm glad you're there. I'm going to take just a few minutes now and just kind of challenge us with some thoughts um, as parents, okay? This is not focused just on these parents who've dedicated their children, uh, nor is it focused just on moms this morning, as I said, since we don't really do anything for for Father's Day per se. I, I like to take today and kind of hit the topic of parenting in, in general. But uh, it's, it's on days like this that we as parents get these things from our kids, whether they're cards or ties or coffee cups or whatever that say things like, you know, world's greatest mom or world's best dad. And when we get those things, we, of course, are appreciative of them because we know that they represent, I think, a real sentiment from our children who, of course, don't have other parents to compare us to, so they think that we are really the world's best or world's greatest. But we appreciate it as an act of love and, and as, a, as a sign of their love for us. But I think there's another part of us as well that when we get those things, we wish somewhere deep down in our heart that they really were true, that we really want to be the world's greatest mom and the world's best dad. That would be a, a desire of our hearts, that we could try somehow to be perfect parents. And what parent in this room wouldn't want to be that? We, we want to be that family that just has everything together, right? That, that, that always wants to be doing the right thing, spending the right amount of time with our kids, teaching them the right lessons, showing them Jesus and the gospel. And if you think about all of those individual things, you realize that every single one of those are, are good and commendable for us. Because it is good for us to, to have our, our lives together, to be able to provide for our children, take care of them, take, do the things that need to get done. It's good for us to spend time with our kids, to love them in that way. It's good for us to, to teach them good lessons, both spiritual and practical. It's good for us to teach them about Jesus and the gospel and make that central in their lives, or at least try to. All of those things are good. But what I fear happens in many of our hearts, even as we're doing these good things, is that we're pursuing parenting perfection. Say that three times fast. We're we're pursuing parenting perfection for all the wrong reasons. And and that's what I just spent a little bit of time about thinking about this week. You know, why, why do we do the things we do as parents? Why do we seek to, to be the kind of parent that we're trying to be in our children's lives, okay? I, I hope we're all trying our, our best to do our best. The, the question isn't, should you do that? You should. The question here is, why are we doing that? What's really motivating us? And I came up with two reasons that I want to share with you this morning. And just so you know kind of why I asked you to turn to 2 Timothy 1, I'm not going to go there to the very end. I just want you to be ready. I want to diagnose the problem and then address it at the end. So just hang with me for a few moments here. But why do we want to be perfect parents? Well, number one, I think sometimes we seek perfection to make ourselves worthy. And, and that can be in different senses. For example, we might seek to, uh, to be perfect parents so that we can be worthy because of maybe the past that we've come from. Because a lot of us in this room have come from some really messed up homes. I know that because I, I know you. And so, so some of you have had really bad parents. I'm talking about abuse, 
sexual, physical, emotional, verbal, whatever. You've come from abusive homes. You, you've been neglected as a child. Your parents were absent. They left you. They didn't care about you in that way. Or, or maybe you've just had some real issues with your parents. Not, I'm not talking petty stuff. I'm talking about real things like unrealistic expectations that your parents put on you that, that was a burden on your relationship. Maybe it was a lot of fighting, a lack of love. It could be a lot of things. And it seems to me that, that oftentimes people who have experienced that in the past have a very strong desire or motivation to right the wrongs that they perceived in their own upbringing through now their own parenting. And so because they were abused or neglected as kids, they want to do A, B, C. Like they're very committed to that because of their past. Or, or because of all the fighting and the expectations and the lack of love, they want to do X, Y, Z. And they're very committed to it because of the past. They want, to, they want to do better by their children than their parents did by them. And while that's commendable, on some level, I fear that the motivation here is one that breeds self-righteousness. Well, I'm not as bad as my parent was. In fact, when you compare me to my mom or dad, I'm like, world's better. I may not be the perfect parent per se, but I'm, I'm so much better than them. And so while that parenting or, or motivation for parenting might be good in some respects in terms of the good things that come out of it, the heart motivation there is to be more worthy of love and respect and admiration from your children than your parents ever were of yours. And, and I think there's a problem there. I'll address it more at the end. Another reason parents might seek or try to find their worthiness in their parenting is because of, of others who are around them. A few years ago, uh, Jamie was looking at a blog for parents, and I won't say it, um, but she would come and tell me what this lady was writing on her blog and all the pictures that she'd put on her blog of, of their perfect life. And she did all these perfect things, and everything was great every time you went there. And and, and Jamie would read it, and as a normal parent, right, she's like, this is discouraging because I can't, I can't live up to this. And finally, I was like, stop reading it. Like, of course, no one ever blogs about how, like, their kid just, like, pooped all over the neighbor's car, right? You know, like, <laughs> you don't blog about that. Bob says he blogs about that. Okay. You can deal with Bob about that one later. Uh, don't let his kids in your car. So, uh... <laughs> No, no one ever blogs about all the terrible things that happen as a parent, all the th- ways you make mistakes. And this person was just continually blogging about how great they were as a person, basically. And as a parent, it was, it was discouraging. And, and it's not just there. It's TV ads. They never show a, a, a family on television that's not perfect. It, it's, it's Facebook where people only put the photos of the kids all dressed up at the zoo and they're all eating ice cream and they're clean and, and like... You never put the bad pictures up there. It's conversations. You, you never start a conversation with someone when they're like, hey, how's it going? You're like, I just totally lost it with my kids. I mean, I did. I totally lost it with them. I was screaming and yelling, and I, I was out of control. No one started. Everyone's like, oh, we had a really great time. You know what I'm talking about? There, there's this outward perception that people like to put out that they're their lives are perfect, their families are perfect, their parenting's perfect, their kids are perfect. And so there's this pressure we feel then to be perfect and have perfect families so that we can either fit in with others or be perceived in a certain way by others. We want to, our, we want to be worthy by our culture's definition or by the definition of those around us. Another way 
that we seek this is in response to our own pride. Not just to, to others, but to our own pride, because ultimately we want to prove to ourselves and to the world around us that we are good parents. We're good parents. We want our kids to behave and look good so the people will think well of us as parents. And let's not pretend that that's not true. Because, because you know, there have been times we'll be out and we'll talk to our neighbors about this or that. And, you know, kids are around and their other parent will say, hey, go do this. And the kid just ignores them and runs off. And I'm like to Nathaniel, hey, go do this. And they go do it. And the kids, other parents are going, wow, that's just great. And even on the outside, I'm like, oh, you know, you know, a lot of work on the inside. I'm like. Because it's stoking my, my pride. And I want my kids to act a certain way because it gives me a sense of worth. It, it helps me feel good about myself when they do the things that I want them to do, especially in front of others. And so when I've done a good job as a parent, it makes me feel worthy in my own heart. Like I've arrived, like I've done it, like I am the best parent. Do you catch a, a commonality in those statements? I, I, I. We, we seek perfection because it gives us a real sense of worth and self-righteousness that is ours to control. And we love that. Another reason we seek perfection that I wrote down here is because we think it'll save our kids. And I, and I, I don't mean save them in the sense of where they're going to spend eternity. I'm not talking about that kind of saving. I'm talking... I don't think that's in most of our minds as we, we parent. No, what I'm really referring to here is the belief or the feeling that we have somewhere deep down in our hearts that we can protect our kids or, or push our kids in, in right ways. We can protect their hearts from sin, that kind of thing. Now, clearly, clearly, parents, listen, there is a sense in which this is good and right for us. We need to set certain boundaries around our children. I, I'm, I'm very big on that. I... I wish all of us were big on that. I'm not accusing anybody. I just, I know that's not going to be the case in a room this size. There are certain things that I, as a parent, can and should choose for my children to be able to do and not do. There there are certain things that are certain places I should be able to tell them that they can and cannot go. Certain people they can and cannot be with. As parents, we can and should place boundaries around our children for their protection Likewise, parents, there are sometimes things we need to encourage our children to do, right? Push them to do so that they learn how to live their lives for Christ and they go down the right path. And again, there's truth, there's good in this, things I should be making my children love and want to do, teaching them, training them to do. But but the problem here, the one that was in my mind this week as I was writing this, is that oftentimes we view these boundaries or these, these lessons, these habits we're trying to teach our kids as little saviors for both them and us. Well, you know, if I just keep them out of this situation here, then, then all these other things won't transpire. Well, at that moment, what as a parent have I done? I've very possibly placed my faith and my hope in this thing if I can just stop this, then all that stuff won't happen. And, and now, within my hope and my faith is in this thing here, it's become my Savior. If this happens, everything else will be fine. We, we, we do this in so many ways. Think about education, right? Just in general, we, we think, well, if our kids just get a good education, and then they won't do this and that and that. Well, guess what education has become at that moment? It's become a little Savior for us. Hey, and... and let me get myself fired today. Pause. 
as a homeschool parent, can I say to other homeschool parents in the room, because there's a lot of us in here, it's a really crappy reason to homeschool. I'm not saying that's not in my heart, too, to think somehow, well, if I just pull them out of that environment, then, then my kids will avoid all this other stuff, and they'll be fine. No. What, what have you become, then? You've become a, a person who's found another Savior, and that Savior has become homeschooling for us. Not a good reason. We teach our children good manners, and that will help them do this and that. If we uh, teach them to be good in sports and then get scholarships and go on, they can do this and that. If we get them in the right college, that way they have a good career later on. It'll be good for this and that. If they date the right people and marry the right people, it'll protect. There's truth in all of these things. I'm not denying that. Just simply recognize that when we take our eyes off of Christ and we put our hope and faith in any one of those things, they have become our Savior. That's what we've come to believe, whether we realize it or not, is that by our parenting, through our perfection, through our good choices, through all, doing all the right things, somehow we can save our kids. And so we, we seek perfection to make ourselves worthy, and we seek perfection to, to save our kids. These are the problems. Can I offer a solution to you? Here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, if you'll look there now, 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 3, Paul writes, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you, Timothy, constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And stop for a moment. You're probably thinking, I'm going to look here at verse 5, right? Where, where he talks about Timothy's faith mirroring that of his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, and how when then maybe we as parents should do the same. We should really strive to help our children embrace the faith, embrace the gospel, and then go on and live it. So we pass down a, a legacy of, of, of godly living and of, of love, of, of genuine love for God. Well, that would certainly be a good message, but that's not at all where I'm going today. No, it's the next two verses that I want to challenge us with. Verse 8, therefore, because of all that, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. And what testimony is he referring to here? He's referring to the gospel, about the testimony that this man Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God, that he came, he lived a perfect life, he died, he was buried, he rose again. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, because he's in jail as he's writing this. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This is the gospel, right? That that God saved us. Which, which reminds us of the fact that in our sin and in our rebellion against God, we were lost, we were dead, we were hopeless. We needed someone to save us. 
Because on our own, we had no hope. And so God sends his son to die on the cross to be the perfect sacrifice so that those who place their faith in him can find forgiveness and salvation. And so he saved us. He called us then to this holy calling. And why did he call us to this? Because we were so good? No, not because of our works. Quite the opposite. Because we didn't really earn his favor. You get it? It was nothing we did that made him want us. It was not because of our works, but it was because of his own purpose and grace. It's his purpose. He saved us because he wanted to, because it was good for him. (laughs) He didn't save you because it's good for you to be saved, though it is. He saved you for his own purpose, and he saved us when we didn't deserve it. He saved us in in spite of the fact that we deserve quite the opposite, his grace came to work. And both his purpose and his grace, he says here, were given to us in Christ before the world even began. In God's eternal plan, he saw us, he loved us, he chose us by his own purpose and grace to be his. This is the gospel And I would argue this morning that it should directly impact our parenting. You see, God didn't give me my children because I'm so worthy or because I'm such a perfect parent. (laughs) If anything, he gave me my children, gave us our children in spite of my unworthiness and despite all of my imperfections. He entrusted me with these little lives, knowing full well who I was but also knowing who I could be in Christ. And so my worthiness isn't found in the choices that I make as a parent. Just not. My worthiness is found only in the blood of Jesus. That's all I have. It's only in Christ that I become worthy. It's only in Christ that I become righteous. It's only Christ that can make right the wrongs of the past, my own wrongs as well. And it's only Christ that I should seek to live for and impress in this world, not the people on Facebook or blogs or anyone else. I have no worth through any of those things. And if I'm trying to find my worth through parenting, then I am forgetting what Paul says here in verse 9, that God didn't choose me because of my worth or my works, but because of his own purpose and grace that was given to me in Christ. And that applies to every area, parenting included. Likewise, I'm reminded I can't save my kids in any sense, any sense through my parenting. I just can't. Because first of all, when we feel like that and when we parent like that, what we're really saying to ourselves and to our children and to those around us is that the biggest danger they face is external. Well, if we just keep them out of this situation, we send them to this school and they marry this kind of person and da-da-da-da-da, then everything will be fine. But none of that's true, and we all know that. Because the biggest danger they face is not external. It was always internal. And they take that with them wherever they go, whatever situation you put them in or keep them out of. It's always there. The greatest danger to them is sin. It's rebellion against God. And no matter what boundaries we erect, no matter what good things we try to push them towards, that danger always goes with them. And the only solution to that danger is the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to all those who believe. I can't can't save my kids, no matter what I choose. And we can choose some pretty different things. 
It doesn't matter. I can't, I can't save my kids. And so what would you rather have, parents? Kids who are successful, you know, they married a, a beautiful person, a handsome man, and they have a beautiful set of children, and they have successful careers and live in a, a beautiful house, and they get to go on great vacations, and they come see you all the time as grandparents, right, when they, they grow up, and they give you great, oh, it's just, but they don't know Jesus. They're lost. They're going to hell. They're successful. They're living the American dream. They don't know Jesus. Or would you rather have kids who nobody knows? They live in an apartment and they can't own a house. They've got jobs, but they're not careers. They're not, but they're faithful. They love Christ. He's their savior. They're trying to raise their children to, to love him as well. What would you be happier with 30 years from now, 40 years from now? Well, then why are we parenting the other way? <laughs> I'm assuming your answer is the second, not the first. Why are we putting all our hope in all the other stuff and not focusing our hearts and our minds and our parenting on instilling the gospel into our kids? And believe me, I'm I'm preaching to myself here. What do we really want for them? We want them to know and love Jesus. We want our kids to believe and accept the gospel. Then it is time that we give up our faulty pursuit of personal parenting perfection. Done. And it's time we begin to rely fully on the perfect one and his perfect sacrifice. He's the only perfect one we're going to find, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, we come to you right now. Many of us in this room are parents. Our kids may be very young, may not even be born yet. Our kids may be older and we may have grandchildren already. But we come, many of us in this morning, as a room full of parents to you. And just to first to ask your forgiveness for our worthless pursuit of perfection and placing our hope and faith and trust in ourselves and in our choices and in our parenting abilities. It's, these are false saviors. These are like little false gospels that are all around us that we embrace. That we think if we just do these things, our kids will turn out. And certainly we recognize the responsibility we have as parents to make choices. And we know you work through those choices in spite of many of them. But Lord, we're not dealing with the choices themselves. We're dealing with the heart motivations today. And we recognize those motivations are often wrong. And so, Jesus, we come and we ask your forgiveness for placing our hope in anything other than you. Placing our faith and our trust in anything apart from you and your shed blood for us. We have nothing apart from that. We say that and we know that. And Lord, I know we believe it. And yet we see time and time again how inconsistently we believe it. And today's no exception. So forgive us, Lord. Please forgive us. And help us as we go out, as we think about what it means to be a parent, to to place our hope and faith in you for our children, for our grandchildren, for all the, the things that are to come in life, the good, the bad, the easy, the hard. It's not about us. It's not even about our kids. It's about what you have done for us. And so I thank you that you are a Savior who is worthy and that in you, our Father finds us 
acceptable and worthy because of your sacrifice. Lord, I pray for our children in this room, all the children represented here at Cornerstone, that that they will see a group of people, parents, community groups, family, friends, who genuinely love you, genuinely want to live for you, genuinely want them to know and love you and accept you as well. Lord, this is your work. You you have called us, not according to our works, but according to your own purpose and grace. You gave that to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And so we stand here today, we, we sit here today, Lord, in awe of your salvation. And we look forward to seeing our children come to you as well. We, we ask that you give them faith, open their eyes to see. And so Lord, we dedicate all of us today. We ask that you will help us to be good examples of the gospel in everything we do. Thank you, Lord, for this morning and what it represents. In Jesus' name, amen.